Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to episode 222, all the Seuss, of Guitar Radio, back this week with... Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David. Thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, so, what have you been up to the last week? There's been lots of news around. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of my little intro thing, uh, I do actually have my 24 shirt on today. So that's uh, <laughs> an interesting coincidence. Very good. Uh, just saw it and thought, you know, why not? Why not put it on? Yes. Um, but yes, other than Man United, watching Man United play terrible football like we did yesterday, <laughs> I've been watching, uh, well, finished watching Unbelievable on Netflix, which is a mini limited series. So it's a shame they won't be coming back because it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Although um, it's based it, on a true story, so it's kind yes. of difficult to make yeah. more of them. But I, I know what you mean. I could stand to mm-hmm. watch more of those characters. They were really good definitely yeah especially uh merritt weaver who plays the uh, detective yes uh who, who did very very well um uh, speaking of her she doesn't win an emmy next year just cancel them just cancel the emmys because <laughs> she really deserves to win it next year and you know it's gonna be in- interesting to see of course you know what, what does get nominated next year and stuff but like i said i don't only want her to get nominated i want her to definitely win it and you know if she doesn't then just then just don't bother doing the emmys next year because <laughs> uh, she really deserves it um yeah, she was great yeah yeah, uh, a very, very impactful show, which it is kind of supposed to be uh, as well. And, uh, you know, I've still been kind of thinking about the show and all the kind of messages and everything else that the show is trying to kind of well, get across to and whatnot. I mean, it's supposed to be a show like that when you base it on, you know, a true story and a, a, a kind of a horrific event. It's supposed to kind of leave you with a bit of uh, a bit of a different feeling as to, oh, yeah, I watched that thing uh, yeah. in, in terms of leaving me with an impact, leaving me kind of thinking about the show afterwards, but in good and in bad ways, obviously, because it was a bad thing that happened but the tv show is very very good so you've got a positive and a negative there yeah because uh, i remember in my in uh, the, the little review i did i kind of said like it, it is weird to come away from a show that has a subject matter such as what, what it does and to kind of be like yeah this show's like really phenomenal because it is a very very good television show but i understand that the weird nature around saying okay this is really incredible but given the fact of what it's it's based on so yeah yeah uh, no it, it's I, kind of strange in that way but, story. Yeah, yeah 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 it, it is it is weird but it it makes a, a really interesting drama and uh, it, they they did such a good job with it and uh, Tony Collette I thought was great as well and uh, Caitlin yeah. Denver who was Marie Adler um Merritt Weaver I thought was brilliant I yeah I'm very much with you she should I don't know what the competition will be like for the Emmys next year on the limited mm. series because that's always quite a tough category but she she should at least get a nomination I mean it definitely should be in there but uh, yeah I know I thought 
that was an absolutely phenomenal series. It's interesting because when I say, when someone says to me, oh, you know, what would you recommend I watch? I say like, oh, definitely go and watch Unbelievable, but like with caution, obviously, because of, yes, the, of, the, of the subject the content, matter. So, yeah. uh, so again, a little bit weird to discuss it in that kind of way, but hopefully that will make sense. <laughs> yes. So definitely go and watch that if I haven't already made that clear. So <laughs> uh, absolutely incredible TV show and probably one of the top two shows of the year. Of course, we'll do obviously our, our best of stuff at the, at the end of the year yeah. in December when other things have come out, but certainly up there at the moment for me. So yeah, definitely. Stuff. Gears of War 5 or Gears 5 as it's been kind of nicknamed for short, I suppose, which is which is fine. Uh, came out on Xbox. It's, it is available on Game Pass. So if you've got eight quid or eight pounds, uh, you can go and uh, sign up for Game Pass. And there's also like hundreds of other games on there as well, mm-hmm. um, which you can go and get. Of course, on the Xbox One and it's on, I think you can play that probably on PC as well because they do the uh, the cross yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, pretty like much cr- everything, on, everything on Xbox, yeah. I think is, is pretty much available on PC as well at this point. So Yeah, the Game Pass itself, you can actually get on PC as well. So that kind of kind of helps with that. Right, yeah. But yeah, if, you, if you've got that amount of money, you can go and sign up for that and you can, yeah, just install Gears of War, I guess for free with the subscription, which uh, is interesting. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big Gears of War fan. I've liked it since I've obviously played, you know, the first one and the, I'm one of the few people that did like the the, uh, the prequel that they had because they've obviously had Gears 1 through 5 and they had a game called Gears of War Judgment, which was a prequel, right. uh, which I quite liked as well. Some people didn't like it. Some people did. Uh, it's interesting with Gears of War because I remember after Gears of War 3, they kind of finished the war that they were in at the time, which was, I think, with the Locust. And then Gears of War 4 kind of came out and I was like, oh, I thought they were like finished with the series because <laughs> it, it ended in a very sort of climactic you know, way. Finite, kind of. Kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah, really kind of kind of concluded. But I guess their, their excuse with Gears of War 4 was kind of, okay, these characters are still out there doing stuff and that that war is finished, but now a new war started and Gears of War 5 kind of continues the war from Gears of War 4. Right. Uh, there's some stuff going on with the protagonist, Kate, which is some interesting stuff. I can't really mention any of it because uh, <laughs> if I mention anything as to what it is, it will it will give away uh, some spoilery stuff. Interested to see where that goes because I've not actually finished the game yet, but I think I'm like right at the end. We just got to, I've just got to a scene where there's about to be a big war piece and it looks like kind of the last bit of the game. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you know who uh, Raul Cooley is, don't you? From uh, iZombie. Oh, right. Yes. He's uh, in this game as well. So that's really good. Oh, cool. Uh, he, he plays a character called Faz, I think his name is. He did a great job in that. But it's interesting with Gears because this is a franchise that comes out every three to four years, roughly, because they kind of try, try, they try to sort of cycle that with um, obviously Halo, Xbox's other big franchise. Right, yeah. Because Halo's coming out next year and Gears obviously came out this year in September. And I always kind of forget how much I like Gears of War. And then Gears of War 5 came out. I was like, oh, I'll get to it you know, in a bit. I had, I had some other things to play. And then jumped into Gears of War 5 and got kind of back into the momentum of it and thought like, oh yeah, I remember, like I really love this game. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just continued to really enjoy Gears 5 and uh, really enjoying that at the moment. Probably my game of the year so far, but we're in that busy period where a bunch of games are about to come yes, out. So there's, there's we'll, stuff we'll coming out before happens. the end of the Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in the tall grass, some of you might not have even heard of this because Netflix has trouble lately telling people all the things that they're releasing. Yes. They uh, don't zombie, even tell the press some, the things that they're releasing at this point. So yeah, we hear yeah. about half of the stuff when you do. So. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a Breaking Bad film out on Friday. I don't know how many people know about that because I haven't seen much discussion. We have posted a bit about that. Yes. Right. I mean, it was kind of filmed in secret or whatever, but it was announced months ago. And then of course, Netflix said that they've got it and then they set the October date. So yeah, it, it's weird with Netflix as to like how many different series and things people don't know are actually on there. Like how many people know that Unbelievable is on Netflix and, and in the talk 
grass and that, that know that uh, El Camino is out on Friday and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I saw a trailer for this pop up on because I follow obviously Netflix on Facebook and they post you know the, those playable videos or whatever for their trailers. And it said here's in 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 the tall grass, which is by the way based on a book by Stephen King, not a small name. Just to kind of let everybody know that as well. So they come out with this trailer, just like hey, just let you know we got we got this this little film based on this <laughs> book by this great big guy. And uh, yeah, they posted that about I want to say two months ago or a month ago roughly and then didn't hear anything else about it i can't remember them posting a date in the trailer and then went to watch you know good place on fridays as, as i usually do mm-hmm. and then uh, netflix does the usual thing where they, they put a trailer at the front of when you log in and it was just like here it is in the tall grass i was like oh yeah this this thing exists and is, and is coming out or is available for me to play right now but very very good film it's ba- it's essentially basically about um these people get lost in tall grass and it sounds very very simple <laughs> but uh things do get very very interesting with it and i can't really talk too much about that much of it without spoiling stuff because there's some interesting different things that happen in it and uh it is kind of one of them films where there's some weird stuff that happens in it and they give you some answers as to what's going on but it's very much kind of you can come up a little bit of your own interpretation of certain things and i I like the way they handled that because there's a fine line between just kind of throwing something out there and being like okay what do you think this is as opposed to giving a certain amount of an explanation so yeah there's a lot going on in you know people lost into a grass basically right and uh, I, I thought that they pulled it off really really well so it's only it's only like an hour and 40 minutes as well so yeah, okay that's no, not uh, too bad yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah and, and like you say stephen king it's actually an, an, a novella that was by stephen king and joe hill mm-hmm. um and joe hill is the man behind the amc series nosferatu and did the film horns and a bunch of other stuff as well uh comic book series lock and key is joe hills as well so okay. neither of them are particularly small authors so yeah. <laughs> you know i mean obviously stephen king's stephen king but you know joe right. hill's not a small author at this point either so uh, yeah i it, it's weird like I wasn't overly aware of that movie but then I don't do horror very much so the Netflix system is working in that you're a horror person so it's pushing horror stuff always pushes sci-fi stuff at me and comic book things usually so you know Mm -hmm. I mean I I get what you mean with that but in terms of letting everyone know yeah no no like like, hey we've got this uh, you know film based on a book by a really big guy yeah Uh, i think they should try and do a better job with that i mean like i said again breaking bad emmy emmy winning show not a small thing and they got a film out in like five days yeah although to be uh, fair that has been pushed around quite a lot i think a little bit more than more more than in the grass has yeah yeah Uh, in in the tall grass so yeah interesting stuff with that uh community i actually finished season four yesterday i remember last time i came on the podcast i was talking about just starting season four interesting stuff with that because i'm remember when uh, I started and was like, hey, the season four premiere has got like a weird episode. I think the rest of season four is fine. And it was, I remember um, when I was like looking up different like opinions and stuff about the show because I, I didn't know what any, anybody kind of thought. And everybody kind of pointed out like, oh, season four is this weird season. It's not as good and stuff like that. I didn't really have any problems necessarily with it. Apart from that weird season four premiere episode, which I can look look at as kind of an episode that stands out to be just really out of place. <laughs> it, it was just really good the rest of season four. Yeah, I mean, that was the first season after they fired Dan Harmon and yeah. uh, you know, who was brought back again later on but it's interesting with you watching it without all the baggage of, of the, the drama that went on behind the scenes which obviously all the fans knew about at the time so mm-hmm. it's interesting with you judging it almost from the outside going to it now and not dealing with all that baggage and kind of you know following that so it's interesting looking at it for, with a fresh pair of 
revise, I guess. I, I think a lot of the criticism that that season got was purely based on the fact that Dan Harmon wasn't there anymore. Right. I, I get what you mean in terms of that. Um, and like go, going into that season, I knew that like, okay, might, this might be different. Prepare yourself that it might be worse. Uh, and then I watched the season before premiere and I was like, okay, is this what I'm kind of in for? Yeah. And then the rest of the season is just fine. Uh, yeah. Like it, it's still as good as it kind of was in my opinion. So then okay. the, the last show I kind of wanted to talk about, which I've seen half of is uh, Good Omens. Finally went and watched that. I've watched uh, the first three episodes. Things just keep getting in the way. I guess we're in that point of the year. So, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I know the feeling. Play, I keep wanting to play Gears 5 because it's so good. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, watch the first three episodes. I've got three episodes left, of course, and it is, uh, I think you've mentioned before, limited or, or a mini series. So yeah, only got six episodes. David Tennant's always good. He's probably one of the greatest actors of all time. <laughs> um, and, you know, he pairs himself, obviously, in, in the show with Michael Keane. It's interesting when I got to the, the third episode and I actually stopped trying to follow the plot so much with Good Omens. <laughs> it stopped being the thing that mattered to me and it was more just a case of, okay, because David Tennant and Michael Sheen play what's supposed to be opposite people, like a, basically an angel and a devil, and they're not supposed to work to, with each other and you've got that going throughout the season and... David Tennant's trying to always push Michael Sheen's character to do something and then he's not sure about it and then you've kind of got that going on. I've been so much more focused on the, their two performances and what they're doing as opposed to the actual plot. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's a fine way to watch it. Like, yeah, I, I'm still keeping track of what's happening but not like the really intricate details of the plot because I'm more, I guess, interested in, okay, what are these two going to do in the next scene because they're just so good yeah. in, in the scenes that they do. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. it. It is a, great great show i i really enjoyed it i was following the plot probably a bit more than maybe you were but uh, <laughs> but yeah i i mean it, it is very much the standout performances are from those two guys more than anything mm. else in that show it is really i could just stand to watch david Dennant and michael sheen do a double act on anything particularly mm -hmm. uh, but it, yeah. i really enjoy their their work on this it's really good and uh, it's such good material as well because of course it's a terry pratchett novel with neil gaiman uh neil gaiman writing the series as well i really enjoyed it i thought it was fabulous and really really fun and uh, but yes it is it is the performance by those two guys that really stands out above everything else in it i think yeah yeah which is which is fine i mean you've got plenty of good stuff to watch with just those two alone in the show yeah so good yeah. stuff with that that's what i've been up to apart from watching may united fail <laughs> so. <laughs> um yeah. so uh, for me there has been a couple of new shows Raising Dion, which is a new comic book adaptation, which is on Netflix. Again, I, I don't know how well this has been promoted. It's one of those that may have slightly slipped under the radar. We have mentioned it a few times on the site. It's not a comic book I particularly know. It was by Dennis Liu, the, uh, the comic book. Uh, follows the story of a woman called Nicole, who is raising her son Dion after the death of her husband husband mark who's played by michael b jordan he's also an executive producer but you don't so if you're expecting this to be a michael b jordan show if you're a big fan of his he's not in it all that much uh, so so don't okay. go into it expecting that because he plays the husband who dies very very early on in fact I, I think it starts with him dead so you know uh but you do see him in flashbacks and stuff it's pretty much you know a single mother raising her young son except when the young son starts to exhibit straight 
strange superhero like <laughs> abilities. It sort of becomes this story of how to raise a superhero. In fact, I think the first episode hmm. is called How Do You Raise a Superhero? Because the little kid is only like seven years old. He's sort of seven, eight years old. Oh. Um, so it becomes this this story of him manifesting his powers, learning to try to control them, but he's very young. You know, it's not like a little teen superhero. This is a sort of preteen kid that suddenly got these powers and it's how he deals with that and how the mother has to deal with that as well. And of course, there is some other story running underneath about how he got the powers and all that sort of stuff, which I won't go into because it'll start to get spoilery. But um, what's quite lovely about it is it's got a really nice sense of humour to it. It's got a lot of drama in it, but it is there is a nice level of humour running to it. A lot of that comes from Jason Ritter, who plays the uh, best friend Pat, who was Mark's best friend and his godfather to Dion, and he's a sort of comic book nerd and is a scientist that worked with uh, Mark. It's it's quite nice because they're using a lot of comic book references when they're trying to figure out how to get him to control his powers. So you know there are references to kind of Superman and Batman and and Green Lantern and and things like that. You know, so so they kind of using the trope stuff out of the actual comic books. So he's using his knowledge of that to try and help teach Dion to learn to control the powers it's just really nicely put together I'm really enjoying it it's nine episodes for the first season I think uh, yeah I just looked at it so yeah, yeah. so, so um, nine episodes it's up on Netflix right now and uh, if you like those sort of superhero dramas it's one really really worth watching it's interesting it's different as I say it's got some nice humour in it as well one to go and check out uh, it's called Raising Dion that you can go and look that up on Netflix Cool. Sounds like something I'd really enjoy. Yeah. I wish I knew about it before it came out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, over on Amazon, they released the DC Universe Swamp Thing series, which, as we, I think you probably know, got cancelled after like mm-hmm. the first episode of released on DC Universe. One of the reasons that it got cancelled, apparently, was the fact that the set was going to be unbelievably expensive to store when the production got shut down. And given how big that swamp set is, I can kind of see why, because it's really quite impressive. Um, Mm. Unfortunately, it just means that they've just thrown a load of money away on it. But uh, I really enjoyed the first couple of episodes of it. I mean, obviously, if you know the story of Swamp Thing, you know in the first couple of episodes, you don't see an awful lot of Swamp Thing, because it is an origin story. It's about a, a guy called Alec Holland, who is investigating these strange occurrences in a swamp ends up getting turned into Swamp Thing. That's the sort of basic setup for it. And it's an origin story. So we see Alec Holland in the first episode and then he sort of at some point turns into Swamp Thing. So you don't see much of the actual monster in those first few episodes. Uh, I'm only two episodes in at the moment. I'm sure we'll see more later. So it's a little bit maybe slow starting, but uh, it's got good levels of horror to it of that sort of comic book horror um i think this is another one you really like it's very much up your sort of street i think it's kind of creepy and odd and uh yeah i really enjoyed it and i think it's really well done it's such a shame they decided so quickly that they weren't going to bring it back i mean i know there were obviously financial issues with it but real shame that they didn't keep it around because uh that the first season so far i mean i say i'm only two episodes in but it, it is really interesting and uh different to a lot of other things because it's it's got that sort of um, yeah there's a, there's swearing in it it is certainly not aimed at 
at small children uh, very violent in places it's definitely a comic book horror but worth going to watch I think even though it is only nine episodes long and it will probably end on a cliffhanger as far as I'm aware so but yes one worth going to watch that's on Amazon Prime if you want to go and find that gaming wise I've still been playing through the beta of Planet Zoo the beta is about to come to an end it's released in full on the 5th of November so they've got a month to basically bug squash and try and get all the little glitches out of it it's been fun I've really really enjoyed it if you like games like Planet Coaster um, and those other sort of frontier based building games it's really worth going to play the animations on the animals are really good it's one of those things that you could spend hours building Mm-hmm. habitats and stuff in it the detail that you can put on placing buildings down and setting up your sort of zoo is absolutely astonishing in the same way that it has been in planet coaster some of the stuff which people have been uploading onto uh, steam because they've got a steam workshop and you can upload your kind of builds of uh, buildings and habitats and stuff on there some of the things people have been making are absolutely spectacular i haven't gone that far into creating really complex builds because of the fact that it's a beta and you and everything is going to get wiped and i don't know whether that Mm. includes the steam workshop stuff so i kind of don't want to spend hours creating something which isn't going to be able to stay around when i can wait a month and then start building things properly so um i but i i'm thoroughly thoroughly enjoying it i've got about like 45 hours on it beta. <laughs> so uh you know it's gonna be one to look out for but uh yeah planet zoo comes out on the 5th of november something to do starting next month definitely and the mcu i finally got to the end of my run well nearly i've still got far from home to watch yet <laughs> but i haven't got the dvd for that yet i've been waiting for the or the the home release yet comes out later this month 20 something it comes out on home release uh onto sky and then if the disc releases a few weeks after that so i'm looking forward to seeing that that will obviously be the final one of that infinity war run of the mcu but i did watch endgame finished endgame last night i really love how they ended that uh the mm. the moment when everybody shows up at the end is still so incredibly emotional the the final moments with tony and all, all that sort of stuff it's so well thought out put together uh really designed to kind of wrench at the heartstrings that final film is such a great culmination of everything that has come before it and i've i've really enjoyed going through that and just the little things that you spot coming out having watched them all together there are lots of references that i'd missed the first time around in endgame that are references back to earlier points in other films so i just thoroughly enjoyed watching through all that again i now need to find something else to go and watch my way through star wars possibly maybe i'll go and do star wars do a run through of that scene as we're going to have the final skywalker saga yeah. movie out later yeah this that year. makes sense yeah so maybe if, you, if you watch it all the watch it all leading up to uh what's the next one called uh, uh, rise of rise Sky- of the skywalker yeah. rise of skywalker so yeah i, I might go and do a, a run through that i might do it chronologically maybe you go mm. through and do a chronology. and it's actually less films than the mcu so yes uh... that is true <laughs> yes there yeah. is a lot less films than the mcu so uh so yes that would be i mean i could go through it and add in things like rebels and clone wars Wars, but that might take a very very long time so i myself need to do that at some point 
to like give it because that's all connected to it as well isn't it the uh, Clone Wars certainly Rebels less so although there are bits in Rebels which are going to be connected well I mean it is still canon so there are bits in there that are connected but uh, but yeah it's slightly those characters haven't shown up in live action although some of the live action characters have shown up in uh, Rebels the characters from Rebels and a lot of the original characters from Clone Wars haven't shown up in live action yet I suspect they may do at some point but they haven't yet so. right you've got disney plus and all that you can work with as well yeah so, I mean, we've got the obi-wan got, you series know, Mandalorian, coming. obi-wan and yeah yeah sort of stuff, you've so. got all that yeah. coming so i mean yeah at some point i need to give uh yeah a proper watch of of all of that stuff and sort of get all that in there yeah i'm i might go through and do it sort of chronologically do the do the prequels and then do rogue one and and, and do it all that way you know maybe do that mm-hmm. so uh, that, that's a fallen order games out next month uh, yes yes i have that on pre-order as well i i try yeah. not to pre-order things but it's a star wars rpg right. of course i'm going to pre-order it there's i mean it's not like i'm not going to buy it is it so right. uh, so i have that yeah. ready to go uh i am looking forward to playing that the footage looks great we'll see how it plays because <laughs> ea uh <laughs> Yeah, so, don't, don't get me started on FIFA 20 no Broken. no no uh, so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some TV and film news Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We start off the TV and film news with renewals, cancellations and pickups. We have our first renewal, which is Dear White People, which has been renewed for a fourth and final season. It's hit the fourth season level of Netflix, which it seems mm. to be three or four seasons seems to be when Netflix start cancelling things. So, uh, yeah, it's but at least it's got the fourth season and and it's going to be a final season they can wrap it up how they want to wrap it up that's all good you know so that's happening The Walking Dead has been renewed for an 11th season not unsurprisingly I mean I, you know AMC are going to milk that cow for as much as they possibly can um, they have announced that Lauren Cohen is coming back as Maggie though, yeah which, nice surprise which was yeah. a, a nice surprise because they had sort of been in talks for a very very long time there were rumours she was going to come back mm-hmm. um, a while back and we didn't know exactly what was going to happen but uh she's now back in the fold uh they're saying towards the end of of the season 10 aren't they i think so mm-hmm. they, they usually finish filming around november december ish so maybe she's filming now or something yeah so because uh, so, like, obviously they've been filming the episodes already i mean it, it starts later today so or yesterday for, for you that are listening yes yeah so it is uh it is restarting up again it is split into two halves as well so i mean there is mm-hmm. there she may have been filming stuff already there may be you know it maybe she only kind of drops in at the end and and then becomes a series regular for season 11 we don't know um so we'll have to see but i'm i'm glad to have lauren cohen back i think you know it's it's nice to have a face return because there's so many right, people leaving that show. Leaving. 
yeah yeah so, uh, so that's nice especially with season nine so um, yeah. yeah i mean i mean we knew it was a possibility that she could have come back and the, the conversation was always okay what's going to happen with with, with uh, whiskey cavalier if, if there was going to be a season two or not yeah. uh, obviously that would have taken her away for it for another year that didn't happen and then we knew it was kind of a possibility as to okay is she gonna like go and work on another show we'll do some films or or, or whatever um but no it's, it's nice to have a character like you said returning as opposed to leaving yeah so, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that but yeah good stuff they They've also announced the and shown a trailer for the third. I wish they'd named this, but the third mm, teen-led yeah. spin-off series from The Walking Dead, which is this uh, this new teen series that they've got coming. It looks kind of interesting. The trailer for this because it seems very different because mm. it is following a group of teens. That that's the first thing. So that that does give it a slightly different kind of twist to some of the other shows. The other thing is it is based in a huge community i mean they they say in the trailer there's like over 9000 people in this community and the community mm-hmm. itself seems to be very much kind of almost back to kind of pre-apocalypse point you know there there are schools and they seems to have managed to fend off people and you know it, it, it's quite a large community it looks like these people come from it follows a group of young adults who they've only really known a world with what they refer to as empties which is their word for walkers they've grown up in relative safety and comfort behind the walls of this big community for some reason they head out into the surrounding environment it seems to have something to do with one of the kids fathers going missing so they they had a head out and are starting to experience the sort of wider world that's basically the setup for it it looks kind of interesting um it's intriguing we're gonna have to wait for a little bit until we see more because it's not being released until spring 2020 it has mm-hmm. been picked up by amazon prime in the uk so it's good that it's got a home already yeah. so. so obviously amc in the u.s Amazon Prime in the UK. Uh, one little thing that did come out is when Rick got choppered off at the end of the, uh, or rather the fifth episode of whatever it is of the last season of The Walking Dead, uh, mm-hmm. the helicopter that took him off had three circles on the side. And uh, Gimbal, who was at New York Comic Con this weekend, came up and uh, said that those three circles represent three different civilizations, which are bound and intertwined in some way, although they're also very very different and the place that they these kids come from is one of those circles so it sort of ties into the whole rick thing by the sounds of it which is kind of interesting here's the thing with this is that they they did the same thing in uh, this last the fifth season of fear the walking dead they had a character from that community show i won't say what happens to that character obviously that would be more spoilery but what one of the characters from this helicopter group uh which of course i kind of could know the name of because of comic book stuff obviously i won't say what the name of that community right, yeah. could be here it might be a different name i don't know yeah uh, like like they, they might rename it on the show or something they had the character from that group come in and and everyone was like oh is rick gonna appear on fear the walking dead and i and i kind of, kind of was like do you think rick's gonna appear no on no, fear no, the no, he's not. no. The, and, me, it, and yeah. they they treated it as this teaser of like oh look this character's come in and they're with the group with rick and then maybe they might fly someone from fear off to see them and then they might meet up with i think they've just been teasing it basically yeah. i was like oh look there's the 
there's this Rick connection in Fear the Walking Dead and I think it's going to end up being the same type of thing in this third show because he won't show up in this show either he's doing doing his films what they've basically said is there are some connections there are some minor crossovers but they are very separate entities right now you know the Rick movies will be very separate Mm. entities to the other things there are connections they are expanding this into a wider world but don't expect Rick to suddenly pop up in this although they are (laughs) one of the communities you know there are three as he said very different communities there are connections between those but, Mm -hmm. but they're not definitely going to overlap in any major way at this point so uh, yeah but it does allow them to maybe cross people over at some point in the future which they've done a bit more in fear they've got Dwight and uh, Morgan over there yeah so so you know that is happening thankfully it's gone to amazon prime in the uk this spin-off it's not an amc because amc is now even less available than it was previously because right. it has dropped off sky the exact reasoning for that isn't entirely clear it's something to do with the fact that bt who provided amc as part of their sports package on now sky are now going to be selling the bt sports package directly rather than you having to go through bt because you use to have to go through BT to order it I think I think Sky is selling it directly but as part of that it means AMC has disappeared off the Sky network Mm. Um, which is kind of frustrating given that you've got things like the second season of The Terrace starting and now people on Sky can't watch it so uh, yeah I'm I'm very glad that I never ordered BT Sport just to get AMC because I would Mm. be extremely annoyed at this point (laughs) that kind of sucks Mm. it's now completely BT exclusive so the only way you can watch it is if you've got BT TV directly Directly, which seems like an utterly stupid way of doing it's, it. But it's kind of weird that the three shows are all on three different places because the main show is on Fox, the the Fear is on AMC UK, and this one's going to be on Amazon. So. Yeah, and uh, but I mean, thankfully, Fear and. I mean, you can actually get them all off Amazon. You can certainly right, buy them yeah. all off Amazon because I think they go up something like next day for you to buy them. And then they come the on to Amazon Prime. Yeah, the, it goes on to Amazon Prime later. But you can actually buy, I think, the individual episodes like next day after and like they a air season on pass episode, and, and a season pass like and stuff. Uh, yeah. But they do eventually come onto Amazon Prime as well. It takes about a year for it to get from the premiere on AMC onto Amazon Prime. That's kind of good news if you're a Walking Dead fan anyway. Of course... Uh, we will be talking more Walking Dead because Walking Dead is now back. Uh, on Wednesdays, we will be doing the Walking Dead UK podcast, which will be over on Entertainment Talk. So you can hear me and Matt talk much more about Walking Dead over there. And hear me try and explain comic book stuff without potentially, but maybe not spoiling Spoilering, things. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a bunch of trailers as well, which went up on the website. We have uh, trailers for Lost in Space Season 2, which bizarrely is dropping on Christmas Eve. Um, yep. <laughs> I, I mean, Boxing Day, I'd understand, because who does anything on Boxing Day, really? But, right. yeah. but Christmas Eve seems like a weird time to drop it. But, you know, great. It gives you something to watch if you're bored over the Christmas period. Mm-hmm. The Expanse Season 4, that had a new trailer go up as well. We've had a couple of trailers for that already, but that had a, a slightly more cohesive trailer that's gone up. Friday the 13th of December, that's coming. Marvel's Runaway Season 3, that had a trailer going up. It comes onto Hulu in the US fairly soon. Uh, it's probably going to be January 2020 on Sci-Fi in the UK. Outlander Season 5, I've got its first trailer that is up on the website 17th of February on Amazon that is going to arrive we think there are some preliminary 
updates for The Flash and Supergirl. These aren't set in stone yet, so they may move. But on Sky One, it looks like Supergirl's coming on the 21st of October, The Flash on the 22nd. Arrow will be a few weeks after that because it's a shorter run. So it's not coming straight away. The big issue at the moment is Sky have no plans to wear Batwoman, which is a pretty major issue given that there is a crossover coming up that has batwoman in it as Mm -hmm. one of the episodes unless they've managed to sort out some deal which gives them just that crossover episode in which case that'll be fine we don't need to necessarily see the whole season but we do need that crossover episode otherwise one-fifth of the story is missing so yeah um i i have asked guy about this i have pointed out that what a major event this is and they're gonna get an awful lot of complaints if that episode is missing it's an interesting situation i don't know why they haven't picked it up when i posted the flash trailer somebody did post a comment on the website saying that they had tweeted at sky asking what was happening with batwoman and uh, the response got was yes you're not the only one disappointed by this but we cannot show a program without having the broadcast rights and we cannot obtain the broadcast rights without a u.s production company offering them and they're not offering the rights right now now bear in mind that is third hand i i have no idea whether they were telling the truth i don't know whether that is correct it's odd if that is the case because the only reason i could think of for not offering the broadcast rights would be if they'd already sold them to somebody else which could mean that it ends up on somewhere like netflix or amazon but you know that would be weird because mm-hmm. th- there's only two reasons they do it one is if it's got if it's already been sold somewhere else Two, if there, if for some reason the Warner Media, who are the people that are in charge of selling this stuff, are feeling somewhat malicious towards Sky uh, and don't want them to have it, but I, I can't see a reason for that, given that they have fairly close relationship between Sky and Warner, given that you know they have a deal over all the HBO stuff, which is also part of Warner Media. It would seem odd if that is the case. So I, I don't know whether that is correct. Um, I will stre- I can't stress that strongly enough. It is third hand. But yes, that would be odd if that is the case and they're not offering the rights at all unless you, they've got somewhere else for it. Do you know what I can see happening is, do, do you remember when uh, Designated Survivor was on ABC? I know it moved to Netflix eventually, but it was always Netflix UK. Remember when it was on ABC and then uh, I think it was the next day, I remember you just randomly posted like, hey, it's it's just popped up on Netflix uh, and I, I remember I think I remember you saying to me and I think it was Sophie or someone like they, they hadn't released any prior information to that it just kind of popped yeah. up I wonder if like next week Batwoman just popped up on Netflix <laughs> but like but like but like nothing gets released prior it's just quite on possibly there suddenly I mean yeah. you don't uh, know because that's a very Netflix thing to happen <laughs> as well is uh, you know you, you just go on there and it's like here it is it's just on there so yeah I mean he's not impossible they've it, done it, it with a few weird, things that's before. a possibility okay that would suck for people that haven't got netflix subscriptions and are following the arrowverse but you know at right. least it, it would, would be it somewhere home, yeah so. it would, at least it would be somewhere and it would suck for sky because the amount of complaints they're going to get still if that crossover episode isn't there um mm-hmm. 
particularly if they weren't even given the chance to buy it in the first place, if that is true. So I don't know. I honestly don't know what is going on with it directly. I, as I say, that was third hand that apparently came off off somebody on uh, from Sky on the Twitter feed. So right. we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ideal solution would be that they get the one episode that they... they because that crisis series... That's quite important to, yeah. to that. That, that yeah. crisis thing is essentially its own miniseries, and it would seem weird if they're not being allowed to show that one episode as part of that run. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but yes, at the moment, Batwoman as an entire series certainly doesn't appear to be airing on Sky. That is what right. we're being told. They they have no plans to pick it up. I mean, so, in general, I mean, in general, just keep your eye on Netflix because you never know. Yeah, because you so. never know. I mean, yeah. that would seem like the other obvious place for it. But because mm, uh, Black Lightning is actually on there, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Black Lightning uh, is on there, and uh, Black Lightning does appear in the crossover, but the the their episodes are not involved in the crossover. Right. The character in Black one Lightning, of the episodes, yeah, so. it appears. Sticking with the Arrowverse. Uh, they have got somebody new coming in for or another new face coming in for the uh, crossover <laughs> they've announced Ostrich Chow who you might know from Supernatural the other show which he's struggling to with the UK home right now at the moment mm. you might know him he played Kevin Tran in that series uh, the, the Prophet he is apparently joining the crisis event as Ryan Choi and uh, for, for those of you that don't know your DC history. Ryan Choi is one of the two atoms who are, are currently in the DC comic continuity. Ray Palmer obviously is one, and we already have Ray Palmer on the show, although not for much longer, because we do know that Brandon Routh is leaving. So I think it's kind of interesting that they've introduced Ryan Choi into this, because it does give them a potential direct swap out from one atom to another if they decide to keep him around. And we don't know whether they will. We don't know if he's just going to be in the crossover episodes or whether he's going to be there for longer ryan Choi in the comic book continuity he's he's a sort of protege of ray palmer he's been corresponding via letters and then the letters seem to stop and palmer vanishes so Choi, uh who is based in uh, hong kong moves to the united states and ends up taking up palmer's position at ivy university whilst he's there he discovers the atom suit and ends up wearing it takes over the mantle and then goes off to discover that in actual fact the the missing Ray Palmer has been shrunk down into the microverse which is why nobody can find him so uh, that that's what sort of happens in the comic books they're sort of sticking to that plot line it seems uh, he's a physics professor at Ivy University in uh, the TV show as well starts out as just a normal guy but then learns he has a pivotal role to play in the upcoming crisis so we're getting another atom three supermen two atoms <laughs> uh, kind of a Batman or Bruce Wayne uh, yes. I guess we'll be in there um yeah i mean it, with with all this cast we've had which has all been you know good news so far i mean i'm not connected really to smallville in any real way because right, I've, yeah, yeah. I've not seen any of it so I, I understand like a lot of people have the, the nostalgia and all the smallville announcements have made a lot of people happy which is really good uh it's a good thing we do have five episodes for this because there's a lot of characters coming plus oh, all yeah. the characters plus all the characters we already have from all the shows are already there there's going to be a lot of characters involved so good that we got five episodes to give everybody some time and we'll see how like like you said see how everything plays out but uh yeah so do you think he will replace ray 
in the um, show? I well, it's certainly a possibility. We'll see how well he goes down in the crisis event. But it would seem yeah. it would seem possible that I mean, you, there are two atoms out there. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how Ray Palmer leaves the show. Whether he goes off with uh, Nora Dark, which seems to be what somewhere he's happening in some way, or whether mm-hmm. he's still around, or, or you know. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But uh, I mean, I I really like him as an actor. I think um, he he would be a, a good addition. I mean, not that Legends really use the atom suit very much, in all honesty. <laughs> Certainly no. last season. I mean, they very very rare they actually suit up. So uh, I would like to see a bit more of that. Well, I mean, much as I love Legends, I would like to see them using those powers a little bit more. So we'll see. But I, I think what would make make sense if the next season of Legends, which obviously the premiere will be the uh, one of the crossover episodes. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to kind of put obviously this new Atom character, put him in there, and then maybe in like the season finale of next season of Legends, they could have like a uh, handing off the torch kind of thing to this well, yeah. new guy. You are the you either do it, or whatever. So. Yeah, you either do it in the season finale or they do it in the opening of the following right, in season. The, in the you know? uh, yeah, they like decide that. they need an atom for something, and you know somebody to shrink down for something, and they go and get him. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I I would quite like to see him around a bit more. You know, he was great on Supernatural. Uh, he was in Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency as well, and uh, the Amazon Prime series Demon X. So, uh, yeah, but I I would like to see him a bit more. You know, that will that will be good. Moving on to Amazon, actually, they've announced some casting for This Sounds Like a Show for You, a supernatural horror event series called Them Covenant. It's written by Little Marvin. It's set in 1953, centers on Henry and Lucky Emery, played by the previously announced Deborah Rindy, who was in Luke Cage and True Detective, and uh, Ashley Thomas, who was in Top Boy and 24 Legacy. Uh, the couple, along with their children, decide to move from North Carolina to an all-white L.A neighborhood whilst their family's home is on a tree-lined seemingly idyllic street it soon becomes ground zero for when malevolent forces both real and supernatural threaten to taunt ravage and destroy them so they've announced some new casting for this uh alison pill who is about to star in the star trek picard series uh, which had a new trailer as well this weekend you can see that on the site uh she was in the newsroom that's the other show she's in plays uh one of the aforementioned white neighbors um whose life is interrupted by the arrival of this new family. Ryan Quanti, who was in True Blood, he played Jason Stackhouse. Um, he plays a Korean War vet who is the neighborhood milkman and local dreamboat. So uh, yes, that's very much his sort of role, I think. And uh, Percy Haynes White plays Davis, described as a blossoming hep cat who has been treated as an outsider for most of his life. He played Andy Strucker in The Gifted. And uh, Javier Botet, who has been cast as in series regular role but the character has not yet been announced he's a Spanish actor he's been in It Chapter 2 Slender Man which plays the title role uh, he was in Star Trek Discovery everything he's played at this point has basically been creature role so I think he's probably playing whatever the malevolent forces uh, <laughs> are in this I rather suspect although they haven't said Derek Phillips has also been cast in a recurring role as the East Compton Police Department Sergeant he previously appeared in Shooter and Long Meyer and uh, also popped up as Agent O'Brien in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I honestly couldn't tell you who that was. So yeah, I mean, it it sounds like they're saying this is an event 
series. So the fact that this is called Them Covenant, I suspect they are planning them something else coming up right. as well. Yeah, a little, it, bit, little bit like what American Horror Story kind yeah, of Yeah, I think this is their attempt to do a sort of American Horror Story kind of thing. So mm. I suspect they maybe have got a couple of these planned that are going to be set in different time periods. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's really good cast by the looks of things. I like the idea that they're sort of mixing this horror story with a kind of race story, which is quite cool. Um, I think that that's quite good as well. And I like the cast. I like Alison Pill. Ryan's great. Uh, I don't know some of the other guys, but uh, nice to see them in uh, Percy Edge White was good as Andy Strucker. So. Yeah, I mean, in terms of me for horror stuff, like like you've, we've all, how we've kind of said uh, earlier in the podcast, I'm a bit more into horror stuff than, than what you are. Um, I'm more into kind of like slasher horror stuff, like uh, right, Scream yeah, yeah. or Chucky or Halloween or those sorts of things. I do find tend to find, and this has been a bit more of an, an American Horror Story thing, because uh, Ryan Murphy can't always tell a story that makes 100% sense. <laughs> um, when they've done some of their previous seasons that have been supernatural, like last season, which was called uh, Apocalypse, when you do like witches and all this other sort of stuff, it's very difficult sometimes to make that grounded enough to where it makes sense. I know like supernatural stuff isn't always really grounded, but uh, I mean, this is, a, I, I guess, an entirely different thing. So yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit different to that. But I mean, I'll, I'll give it a try. Like if it's still got good horror stuff in there, I can still watch certain supernatural horror stuff. But it's it's when you get to a point where like if someone dies and then gets revived or something like that, and then that kind of takes away. When you start doing things that are like that or like when a character dies and they're brought back or, and there's something like they're a different person or something. Because yeah. then you kind of take away the stakes of like, okay, if, if, some, if something in a horror series is going around killing, things or, or people uh and those can kind of come back in some kind of way or whatever it, it just takes away a bit some sometimes supernatural horror stuff just doesn't work quite so well as just you know straight slasher stuff yeah right even in this current american horror story season they're playing around with that a little bit but right. not too much but it's still where to where it's kind of normal enough so yeah we'll see how this works out but yeah no i mean as i say i don't do horror that much but uh pretty interesting sounding one and so you know certainly mm. if you like if you like your horror things that we want to look out for i don't think there's a date for that yet probably be next year sometime so keep an eye out for that but that's called the them covenant that is called mm. Over on HBO, they have ordered a comic book adaptation. It's based on the comic books DMZ. This sounds somewhat timely and uh, quite appropriate, really. And uh, they've only ordered a pilot at the moment, so it may not go to series. The comic book and the series are set in a near future where America is in the midst of a new civil war. The action takes place in New York City, more specifically the island of Manhattan, which has been turned into a demilitarized zone, a.k.a. the DMZ. As war rages between the remains of the federal government and the free state armies, a female medic on the island is trying day in and day out to help keep residents alive while trying to find her lost son. In the process, she tries to provide a source of hope for an America who has lost all sense of idea as she faces gangs, militia and warlords that control the lawless no man's land. That's the sort of basic setup for it. You can see why they decided this might be a good thing, given 
you know the civil unrest that or the divide that there is between people particularly i mean in the uk as well but particularly in america uh so mm -hmm. you, you know you can see why that they maybe thought this would be an interesting one to adapt right now acclaimed director ava duvani who uh, is no stranger to comic books is because uh, she is signed on to direct a big screen adaptation of dc's new gods is set to be behind the camera for the show uh she also worked on uh, the movie selma and when they see us the netflix series which i know was emmy nominated as well yep. um story is being adapted by robert patino who worked on sons of anarchy and westworld from the original comic book by brian wood i mean uh, yeah it, this sort of sounds interesting the pilot's expected to film next year um don't know whether it's going to move forward after that but we'll have to see it certainly seems like an interesting one and i know the comic book's quite popular it's not one that i've read though no me neither um i'm not quite sure about it but i trust hbo because they've done just endless amounts of good television yes uh, and you and usually when someone tells me i'll oh, you know you should watch this show and i'll say oh, where is it what's it on and someone says hbo that kind of immediately says like okay there's yeah. something a bit more there usually with, with at least with most of the things i mean true detective season two whatever but uh, <laughs> um, with, with most things that they've done have been very very good so that always adds a kind of certain level of okay this is probably going to be good just because of i guess the history of what they've done and and stuff like that so it's got that there but uh, I guess we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how it turns out it's very early yet so yeah yeah, I don't know. It does sound like an interesting one, though. Mm. I'm quite intrigued to see how they pull this off. Um, interesting people behind it. We'll have to wait and see. But um, one to look out for. We'll let you know if that moves past being a pilot when they shoot it next year. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Next, we have an interview. <laughs> The interview this week is with our old friend Nathan Barr, who has recently been the composer on uh, the new Amazon series Carnival Row, which you can go and watch on Amazon right now. I really, really enjoyed that series. It's that sort of Victorian steampunk fantasy drama thing. Um, it, it's been really, really good. I, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's coming back for another season as well, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. This is the fourth time we've interviewed Nate. He's a thoroughly thoroughly lovely guy he's worked on shows like the american sneaky pete true blood host of other series you always know the music's going to be great when you hear that nate Barr's involved because he is absolutely fantastic uh we first interviewed nate back in 2013 he just rescued this theater Wurlitzer organ from the lot at fox and uh this is one of those old kind of organs that they uh, they used to have for providing music for various movies and stuff so it's got this huge long history and it had fallen into disrepair nate rescued it and built an entire studio around this organ because you may think you know what a Wurlitzer is but as he explains in the interview it's way way more complex than what you're probably picturing as an organ so uh it's he goes into a bit of detail about sort of that and also he's had it sort of up and running for about a year now so he talks about the projects he's used it on and the fact that he's been lending it out to other some very high profile composers as well who have also come in and used it so we talk a little bit about that we also chat about uh he's well known for collecting various strange instruments so we chat about the uh various things that he's picked up over the last 12 months uh on top of using the organ as well so uh here's the interview with nate Barr. we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on tv <laughs> 
lovely to have you back on again. I think last time we spoke, you'd literally just finished the studio. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So lots happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we, we spoke a little bit about Carnival Row then because you'd, you just started playing with things, I think, but you hadn't yes. got the, you hadn't got the organ up and running and right. that. So you were having it tuned like that afternoon or something. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a really um, exciting first year in the studio. A lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff's happened. There's quite a lot of stuff to talk about. And the main thing being Carnival Row, I guess, yes. more than anything else, which I actually finished it last night because I'd fallen a bit behind and went through and watched the rest of it last night. It's such a good series. Oh, I'm glad you like it. Good. Yeah, awesome. It's a wonderful series. I'm very interested to see where they take it for a second season because it is all Yeah, renewed, yeah it's so. really, it, it really does seem to have found an audience, which is great. Yeah, it's yeah. just a really interesting, different kind of show. Um, As I said, when we last spoke, you just started to work on it, but hadn't really figured anything specific out, I don't think. How did you get to the sound that you got to for that? Well, obviously, (laughs) the Wurlitzer was a a very enticing piece of uh, possible, you know, uh, musical. (laughs) Yes. uh, You know, a big part of it. And and Travis Beecham, the creator, uh, and Renee Ecavera were both very interested in that as well. And so uh, that main title piece is all organ, fiddle, and choir. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, obviously the, the, the nature of the show and the row and all that stuff sort of lends itself to a carnival-esque kind of sound. But it also allowed me to really stretch out and, and try to use the organ in very a-traditional a- ways. Uh, and, and that's been really uh, incredible as well. And so, yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, let's see, cello and then um, some other weird instruments. Uh, but uh, it was nice because the, the creators, there's a scene in the first episode where where philo's chasing jack across the rooftop yeah before and that's you know that that cue in my best of my knowledge it's probably the first action cue ever on a theater organ you know <laughs> so I, just, I just took what would have been maybe brass and string parts and and did them on the organ instead and it has a really trashy unique sound to it that they loved and, and i i love too because i wouldn't have gone there i th- i would have thought it was over the top with the organ too much but they they loved it so it was great yeah yeah that opening title theme which again I, I think is brilliant you know i love your stuff and and i i think it's such a wonderful wonderful thing that opening title sequence although i think it should have a disclaimer on it that said no string players were harmed in the making of it because <laughs> yeah that's right that, that string line is just intense <laughs> yeah, that's my assistant harry he is a um went to the same college i went to he's been working for me a little over a year and he's just absolutely as you can hear a brilliant fiddle yeah. player so um not surprisingly uh, there's a lot of solo violin in everything i'm doing over the past year uh, <laughs> he's, he's just great so yeah it's good yes well yes definite round of applause to him because that that's a phenomenal bit of work on that yes we should talk a little bit about the the organ now you've kind of got it built and, and up and running because yeah. i think when you talk about well it's as an organs pe- people i guess when you mention organ the thing that comes to mind is a sort of church organ, but the Wurlitzer is is a 
totally different beast but you know particularly the the theater organ that you have um do you just want to explain sort of what it is and and the components of it and and that sort of thing because it's got lots of different bits to it it does so so yeah um there are a couple things that really differentiate a theater organ from a church organ everyone knows what a church organ sounds like and some people know what a theater organ sounds like but for people who don't know, you know, if, if you can picture sitting in a silent film and what the music would sound like, that it would accompany that, that gives people somewhat of an idea. But but the big thing that differentiates it from a church organ is there's a, a room, which I've put it in the center of the studio, which is full of actual percussion instruments that were built with the organ. So the, the, the Wurlitz are built all of this, and when you ordered an organ back in the early 20th century, you could have it come with a real marimba, a real xylophone, a real glockenspiel, a real celeste, real cymbals, real drums. These are the actual instruments mechanically played with mallets, which are activated through the use of magnets, air, and electricity. And so if you're sitting at the organ keyboard and you put down one of those colored stops, it'll literally say, marimba and you push that down and you go to your keys and you start playing and whatever you play it sends an electrical signal up to mallets on a real giant marimba and the marimba then plays the the parts that you're playing so it's it's a really special instrument in that sense and one of the instruments in that room that i was really tickled to be able to use are the tuned sleigh bells it actually has a series of several octaves of sleigh bells each one's on a small leather strap and that strap is attached to a pneumatic that when the key's depressed it shakes up and down (laughs) and so if you listen to the very last phrases of the main title you'll hear a belly sounding shaking bell that plays the melody and that's those are the sleigh bells (laughs) um so it occupies six rooms the organ Most people walk in and they see the keyboards and they go, oh, yeah, organ, organ. And and they don't know that actually that's just the remote control for the instrument. The organ is actually in six rooms behind the walls. And so it's 1,366 pipes. The smallest pipe is you know, about half the size of a normal pencil. Yeah. Uh, and about that, even, even thinner than that, and the largest pipe, you know, I could wriggle into, you know, it's huge. So it's a, it's an amazing instrument. And, um, in the first year of its life, I'm happy to say it's been used. This specific instrument has been used by Danny Elfman, the Dana brothers, Michael Giacchino, uh, Teddy Shapiro. Uh, so I've been really keen to get it right back into film and television where it belongs, because as, as, you know, this was built for Fox Studios. It was used by Bernard Herman, John Williams, Alex North, Dimitri Tionkin, Jerry Goldsmith, anyone who was anyone back in the days used it. And so um, the fact that I've had a couple of really prime opportunities to put it into big projects and also some of these other composers like Danny have come in and said, oh, I got to use this thing. It's been really exciting. It's really amazing. I'm so happy it's working so well because, I mean, this has been something that's been going on since we very, very first spoke to you years ago. <laughs> And uh, just so happy that it's working so well for you. you. It's an amazing, amazing thing. I I love the fact that it's got the real instruments in there as well, because it's so easy to do this stuff digitally now, but it doesn't have that sort of soul to it, you know? That's right. That's right. And and honestly, particularly with the bass end, the low end of the organ, when you're playing the pedals, Mm. um, I could sample that. But honestly, there's something that happens when you've got nine mics in the room capturing all that air and frequency coming into the stage 
there's something that happens in that that to me is not something you can capture in a sample. Mm. Uh, and when it goes to the stage, uh, several of the dubbing mixers, whether it's on the movies I've done or the others, they all comment on, my God, that organ, what it does to these speakers on the, on the theater is, is something they've never experienced before. You know, it's pretty cool. That's amazing. It's also great that you got to use it on something like Carnival Row, which has this sort of steampunk aesthetic to it. And you have this thing which just fits so well into it. It is. It's. I mean, you know, it's like that whole, if you build it, they will come. Like, I, I didn't know when I was putting this in, when I would have, I thought, oh, maybe in the first couple of years, I'll use it once. Yeah. But, you know, literally uh, maybe six months before the studio was done, I got House of the Clock in its Walls, which is a, a collaboration with Eli Roth. And that also was a perfect world, though completely different, um, for, to explore the organ. And so the organ is all over that movie. It's all over Carnival Row. And it's, you know, honestly, I just did a show on FX called Fosse Burden. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that actually, there are moments in that score, even no one would know it's the organ where the bass pedal, the bass, um, sort of note, uh, is, is, is the, the organ. So I'm, I'm getting it in everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That is what you said you would try and do when, when yeah. you were building yeah. it. So. And the nice thing is it does disappear into textures and not announce itself as an organ. And that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have really known that it was the organ in that opening theme had well, I not read that it was the organ in the opening thing. So, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm so happy it's working so well. It's, it's really Thank brilliant. You. Me too. You also used a choir for that as well, yeah. which again is something that given in a lot of cases, they're not singing tune, they're singing just note. You could have used that digitally as well, I guess, but you used yeah. a real choir for that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's a long history in film and TV fantasy uh, of using a choir and it, it, yeah. it makes sense because choir, uh, just as choir has been around in church from the beginning of time to, to, to speak to sort of those larger themes about life and death and all this, it, that worked really well in this show uh, with the scope of it. Like episode three, they go to Tiernanok and you get a bit of the past and everything. And all that felt like it really wanted to have a choir behind it. So we got a nine, it was only nine women. Uh, it was a nine women choir. And uh, it, that's a beautiful, there's an intimacy to that size ensemble instead of 40 mm -hmm. that really lent itself well to the show. And so on the soundtrack, which is coming out soon, I'm happy to say, uh, the last two pieces on it are acapella arrangements of the themes in Carnival Row, just for nine voices. And it's really beautiful. So I'm, yeah, I'm quite proud of that. And that was also the first time I recorded choir in my studio, and it just sounded spectacular. That's, that's another exciting component of, in the process of building this building for this organ and having a room that the organ sounds beautiful in, I've gotten a room that is spectacular for orchestra choir everything it, it just sounds wonderful and that's been so exciting to experience this year like yeah. we, um like this year we've we've had solo instruments uh we've had choir we've had a you know a 20 piece orchestra we're having a 24 piece orchestra tomorrow we've had a 50 piece orchestra so we're really getting a sense for just how special thankfully the room turned out because it's as, as, as you can imagine, you know, when you're when you're building a room that uh, you want it to look beautiful and sound beautiful, uh, it's it's a total crapshoot on some level. You know, even the acoustician said, yeah, you know, and he's brilliant. He said, yeah, I think this is going to work, you know, but until you, have, 
finish it and put mics in there and musicians you don't know so yeah it's great that you're getting the use out of it and it's not just the place to hide the organ you know so yes, exactly yeah. exactly that's it with the uh, the music for carnival row you've created a number of uh, character themes for various yeah. people how did you come to create specific themes for certain different characters how did you pick what you were using for those yeah. i mean i think like it's interesting like philo's theme came about as score for a scene that isn't even in the show anymore right. uh, it's they just cut it out uh it was a fight scene between him and this fey guy in, a, in this sort of dingy club so i came up with that theme for him there and then it, it thankfully you know works over him in many different situations and the the theme you hear in the main title is the row theme followed by that weird sleigh bell version of philo's theme at the end mm. and then in terms of obviously there's a big love story here so you want a big love theme and so that, again that's very fiddle based and so, so so for philo and vignette there's that sort of sweeping love theme that you hear kind of best when they're out in the rain at the end of three after you come back from tiernanock and they're standing in the rain outside yeah there's a beautiful version of the theme there and then uh one of my favorite themes is uh um the theme i wrote for um agraeus and imogen the puck and the you know the wealthy socialite right, girl. yes yeah there's a theme in there with viola and Violet, which is really I'm, I'm really proud of and um so that yeah we've got that and then we've got an Imogen theme, which is on harp, which is her sort of flighty light uh, theme. And then we've got a theme for uh, Jacob and, um, gosh, I'm blanking on her name right now. The daughter, <laughs> the politically motivated daughter. Yes. Uh, who's so wonderful as an actress. So that that has a, a theme as well. So, yeah, it's just it's just wanted to be a thematic show. The producers wanted it to have some sort of electronic elements too, to speak to the steampunk part of it. But I'm grateful that, you know, there, there are other shows shows like this which were not really thematic you know the score was not allowed to shine or for whatever reason didn't shine and, and it's nice to be on a show where they were very welcoming about the idea of specific melodies for specific characters so in that classic storytelling type style there are a number of songs in the the show as well were you involved in doing those or, or were I they was just... Eliza Richardson uh, who's our music supervisor is just brilliant um, she she had a hand in that and Patty Gertie she's a hurdy-gurdy player and singer right. uh, we're over in the in the in Europe um, I'm not sure where but she uh, they when I came to the show those had already been floating right. around cutting room and they're really wonderful they, they really lend themselves beautifully yeah well I, yeah. I just wonder because they they sit so well with your music in there as as well oh. you know there is a they they work so yeah. well together so i just wonder whether there was a connection but uh no that's interesting yeah as we've established with the organ you like to collect odd instruments as, yes. as we know and as the master of strange instruments which you should totally have on a business card uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's the latest edition what's the newest thing yeah. You've got. So I've worked for five years developing an instrument with my friend Mark, who's a really brilliant organist. We took an old pump organ and we gutted it and we put in um, a special wind chest and two wind machines, which are buried in the back and the wind line goes under the floor. So this was pre-planned into the studio. <laughs> and then I have hundreds and hundreds of just strange organ pipes I've collected that you can literally put into the wind holes and then you can experiment with the pipes. 
Um, and, wow. and so that's one of the instruments. And then basically there are seven stops and I, I put in extras not knowing what they would be, but I'm slowly finding other odd things to plug into it. And so there's something called a Robert Morton violin. Uh, Robert Morton was one of the great, sort of the second great organ, theater organ builder. Uh, his studio was actually just a couple miles from here back in the twenties. It's gone now, but, um, uh, it's an instrument with maybe 60 strings, small strings and there's a pneumatic that pushes the string into a large wheel that turns like a bow it's rosin and so you play your keys and it's pressing the strings into this bow and it it, uh it's a really ingenious instrument that someone described as sounding like a a feral cat being skinned alive (laughs) so it never took off but it's a i'm gonna find lots of use for it and it's extremely rare this will probably be the only one in the world that's been restored like this and then maybe of any of them, there may be four or five others in the world that I've heard of, if even that. Wow. It's a special forgotten piece of, I mean, that's the brilliant thing about theater organs is there were so many people trying to figure out what they could add to the experience of playing and listening to a theater organ. And it didn't have to be a pipe. So this guy came up with this idea and the advertisement said, Robert Morton Violian, add the sound of a symphony string orchestra to your organ. And it, it sounds horrible. I don't know how to... <laughs> He would have played it for them with a straight face, but, you know. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm glad you're still finding more wonderful things to uh, to add to it. You know, and another thing uh, that I used in this one, which you can actually hear in a couple places, is the Kangline, which is the human femur bone trumpet that I have. Oh, from yeah. yeah. Yeah, so actually that gets used. Um, one of my assistants, Kyle did a really wonderful job of uh, processing it a bit after we did some sampling. And so that gets used quite a bit too throughout the, throughout the show. So it's been fun to finally find a, a real place for that. Yes. Yeah. I think we spoke about yeah. that the first time we ever yes. talked. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so great. I'm glad that's in there. So Carnival Row coming back for another season. A lot of the other shows you're working on are kind of things were coming to an end because Sneaky Pete's not coming back. Uh, right. Americans have finished. Fosse Verdon was kind of a one-off thing. Nice. Uh, the sun coming to an end. So uh, what are you doing next? I'm working on a really beautiful film right now at Miramax called um, Uncle Frank. It's written and directed by Alan Ball, who's the creator right. of True Blood, wrote yeah. American Beauty. It's a, it's a gorgeous film. I'm so excited to work on it. a drama. Um, so I'll be recording that in the studio, hopefully in November. Uh, so that's ongoing. Uh, and then Ryan Murphy, who you may know his name, he produced American Horror Story and yes. American Crime, OJ, Versace, all that stuff. I'm doing his next show on Netflix, uh, which is called Hollywood. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. which is really exciting. It's got It's going to be amazing. And then I'm doing a show at Hulu called The Great, which is um, brilliant. Tony McNamara, who wrote The Favorite from last year in the film, this is his new show that he created. And it's basically The Favorite. It's a it's a raucous, irreverent comedy set in 18th century Russia about Catherine the Great. And she is played by Elle Fanning brilliantly. And then Nicholas Holt plays Peter the Great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that's a really fun show. So I have like three period pieces right now, which is fun. One, in, one that takes place in the 19th 70s one takes place in the 1940s one takes place in the 60 or 1700s so awesome I, yeah. yes i'm glad to see that mac has actually got somebody else doing some of ryan's shows as well yeah. 
Exactly. No, Mac was like, he has so much on his plate with I know. So shows. And, and so uh, it's funny though, like I, Mac is a very dear friend. And so when I got the uh, offer or when I was approached, I, I felt like I had to call him and say, Hey, just so you know, they're asking me to do this. And he was, he was excited that it was a friend of his that was sort of coming on board that team. So yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ryan's got so many shows out at the moment. It's not like Mac's short of work. Is it really? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. I interviewed Mac a few weeks ago. And yes. uh, one of the things he always says, yeah, when we come to the last question, one of the things he always says when I ask sort of, what would you, what would you like to work on? You know, what show would you like to work on? And he always says he wants to work on a sci-fi. And mm-hmm. Mr. Robot is coming to an end, but um, Ishmael's next project looks like it's going to be a reboot of Battlestar Galactica. So I've got my fingers crossed for him that he lands that. That would be amazing. He'd be so good at that. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, we should wrap up with the usual last two questions that we yeah. always ask. Uh, so first question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Uh, I'm watching Succession. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Yes. Really, really enjoying it. I'm watching The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yes. We haven't had that yet. It's coming next year, but... Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. And I'm watching um, Unbelievable on Netflix, which right, is really, yes. really intense, but really good. Yeah, it's an incredible series, that. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, so those are the th- yeah, those are the three I'm actively watching right now. And they're all, um, I mean, there's so much great content. I mean, there's, obviously there's a lot of bad stuff too, but but there's so much good stuff. It's, it's like everyone's talking about a show one week and then the next week there's something just as good, you know? Yeah, there's a crazy amount of stuff and we're hitting that sort of season of of everything returning as well so you know and new yes, stuff spy. i'm watching the spy as well sasha baron cohen oh yes i haven't yeah. I, I haven't seen that yet but yes I can. it looks pretty interesting yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and lastly if you had the opportunity to work on any tv show past present or future what show would it be <laughs> think about that you know i mean i, I kind of like i feel like i'm in such a sweet spot right now where all the shows i'm working on are really strong shows really different shows, uh, you know, doing, uh, let's see, uh, you know, dramatic film and two dramatic shows right now. So, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if, if there's anything, um, particular I, genre you'd like to go for that you haven't tried. I mean, just the drama stuff, you know, I'm just so enjoying, you know, as composers, we have so much, we're oftentimes capable of much more than we get the opportunity to express based on what we get hired on. And I'm really seeing a shift in that, uh, which has been exciting. So, so I think like just more dramas uh, like I have right now is really I I just so want to plug into that part of myself as a composer so yeah awesome well it's lovely chatting with you again Uh, it's always always a pleasure Uh, but I'm sure we'll do it again in 12 months or so when next thing comes out so uh, good luck with the second season of Carnival Row I'm looking forward to seeing that when you get get to it and uh, yeah good luck with the films and uh, other stuff so have a great day I will talk to you probably in 12 months again Talk to you. Have a good year. Cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with composer Nate Barr. Carnival Row is up on uh, Amazon Prime right now. Go and watch it. It's a really good series. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's well worth watching. And it is coming back for a second season as well. Go and check it out. Here are some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. We have Riverdale coming back for its fourth season. That's on the 10th of October. Um, I I kind of <laughs> dropped out of this, to be honest. Let's hope, let's hope this season makes sense. Yeah. I, <laughs> I last one. I really uh, lost the, the, the whole role-playing game thing really through me. or something? Gr- Griffins and Gargoyles? Gargoyles, yeah. Yeah. 
that that I I kind of that storyline got very silly and I I kind of dropped away from it. But uh, it is now back for its fourth season. That's on the tenth of October on Netflix. You can go and find that. Uh, Young Sheldon is back for its third season. That's on the tenth of October as well. That's at eight thirty on E four. Insatiable is back for its second season. This is the dark, twisted revenge comedy that's on the 11th of October on Netflix. El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, that is coming on the 11th of October as well, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, we're doing a podcast for that, aren't we, later on? Yes, at some look, point. look out for it on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, so uh, that's so, on yeah, Entertainment Talk. You, we will be doing a podcast update on the Breaking Bad movie. Uh, Dynasty, third season of that, comes on the 12th of October, also to Netflix, which is the update of the classic 80s soap so that's on the 12th of october and uh family guy returns for its 18th season that's on itv2 on the 14th of october at 9 p.m and then we have the dublin murders which is the adaptation of tanana french's internationally best-selling dublin murder squad novels that's coming on the 14th of october at 9 p.m to bbc one that's dublin murders and lastly the good doctor has a confirmed third season air date that's coming to sky witness on the 15th of october at 9 p.m and some really really good medical drama well worth going to watch so that's everything uh we're starting to get things returning as you can see yeah, I, I already have back. so much to do so <laughs> yes i know what you mean yeah. anything else you'd like to mention uh well speaking of breaking bad i was i was a guest on a podcast yesterday called the uh rewired podcast and the the focus focus of the podcast was uh breaking bad versus the wire just in like a general <laughs> sense and, it, and, and in different different categories and whatnot so i did that yesterday i don't know when that podcast is going out but when they do release it and do tell me uh, i'll be sure to post that on twitter and facebook you can follow me on twitter at etalkuk so look up for that so cool well uh yes we are heading back into uh, a lot of shows coming back so there is a lot more podcasts coming out over on entertainment talk including yep. walking dead which me and matt do we're also going to be doing watchmen from next week i think we're starting watchmen so uh that yeah one... that'll be preview will be next week yeah and so then, we... uh, yeah the ep- first episode is the week after so. yes yeah, so we're, yeah. we're starting previewing uh, watchmen from next week so there's that coming up uh for us of course there is lots and lots of news going up on geektown.co.uk throughout the weeks and you can also check all the latest uk and us air date info we have us air date info on there as well as the uk now uh if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter or on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye-bye goodbye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.